It's goosebump time in Oxford, Mississippi. Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here in the Second Line Studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Joining me, Nicholas Carr, Ben Woodhouse. Gentlemen, we uh, we have now endured a, uh, I guess, a quote-unquote full weekend of college football. Um, before we dive into our, our preview here of the Eastern Division of the SEC, or I guess East Division. Do they call it Eastern? Or is it just East? It's just I think it's Eastern. Do they say? Does anybody ever say Eastern? We definitely have a Western Division champions banner right. uh, okay. that hung it that hung at Tad Smith. Okay, that's Nicholas Carr, by the way. Uh, ben, I, I don't know um, your thoughts on this. When I said it, it just sounded weird. Sorry, but welcome in. What's up? I'm just glad to be back. It's been a couple of shows since I've been able to make it. It's a uh, you know, football's here, and uh, it was funny. I, <clears throat> I was telling um, somebody the other day, I, I'm a huge college football fan, I am, but in the last, I don't know, four or five years, I found myself not watching the the Maction games and instead sticking to the, to the Blue Bloods. And um, I guess because of COVID and just not really having anything – I've been entertained by all the games this year, even the even the ones that end up thirty five to nothing. You know, Army just drilling Middle Tennessee. It's just been fun to watch football. Just watch, you know, watch them play. And honestly, it it hasn't felt that weird with the crowd. I mean, I, I guess it will be noticeable when you know Alabama plays LSU and the stadium is twenty percent full. But otherwise, it's it's been fine. Well, we haven't had a game. I said this yesterday, and we haven't had a game that would have been full so far this year. So, like, it did, wasn't much difference. I mean, Memphis wasn't going to fill it up versus a State. It was a little odd watching uh, there be nobody at the Navy game. But, I mean, the USM game the other day hit like 9,000. That's about what they would have on a Thursday night playing South Alabama. I mean, that's not, like, that crazy of a stat. I the only thing that I've noticed uh, is just the sound on the on the field and on the sidelines. That's really the only difference. And you're hearing a lot of chatter from the bench. You're hearing a lot of uh, a lot of team, you know, just chatter, talk, coaching, just with mics, live mics on the field. Uh, outside of that, uh, it, it's still football. Like it's it's fine. I'm not going to complain about it. In the year 2020, when everything seems to just go to hell, I'm not going to complain at all. Um, it, real quick, just a quick little sidebar before we start our preview here. Uh, does anybody know off the top of their head how they did on their picks? I feel like everybody should know. I was one in one. The under for... Uh, Southern Miss, South Alabama hit, and then unfortunately SMU played with their food all day Saturday and did not cover the spread. I uh, I went over too. I mean, I 
matter of fact, I went over to in a big way. I picked, um, I think I picked Navy to cover, mm. and I also picked Middle to cover. And let's just say Middle oh, Tennessee boy. Army made them their whipping boy literally the entire game. Pole to pole. I think. Yeah, that I was unbelievable. I, Navy has not. I've not seen Navy get beat that badly in a football Man. game, dude. Ever. I mean, it, it, it was atrocious. I, I think, and I hesitate to say this because I know that I'll probably get get lambasted here. I think I went two and zero. I think that I had the under in the Memphis Arkansas State game. And I might have had the under in the in the in the USM game. I'll have to double check that. But I definitely played. I did not play a spread last weekend. I think I well, played both under. You can't. They were two and up. Well, you can't have the under in the Southern game because I did. You had the under in the Southern game. I thought you took Southern Miss. No, no, no I had the under. So you uh, wouldn't have well, picked the same thing. That is true. That is true. I definitely had. Under in Memphis, Arkansas State. I might have to go back and listen to it and double check on this. But I was I was not feeling pointsy last week. Um, I, I actually had the under in the SMU Texas State game. That's what it is. SMU USM, same thing. Yeah, yeah. and that was an easy under fifty five, and it, they had to get under seventy one. Yeah. Yeah, I I was. So, was well, not, I mean, there, there were points last weekend, but it wasn't as pointsy as they thought it was going to be. I was banking on Shane Buchel and, and SMU hanging a 50-burger on him, but they did not. But we'll, we'll talk more gambling on Thursday when we have our Legal Gambling Council episode when we do our picks for Week 2. All right, gentlemen, we are here to preview the SEC East. Um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this episode. I got, I got a lot of takes here on the East, uh, which I think is going to be a very interesting division this year. Uh, first off, I guess... First impressions from each of you. One, one thing that you that you're excited about, or you know, a hot take or something for for the East. I think I think Tennessee's back. Okay. Um, I'm not just kidding. Um, okay. okay. I uh, <laughs> uh, I think that uh, I mean the the one question mark, and this is just a very generic take, is. Does who wins between or is Florida going to be able to overtake Georgia this year? I think the answer is no. But oh. you know, Nick may may have something different. Yeah, I don't think that that Florida can beat Georgia this year. But I guess my question for the East is: uh, I'm interested to see what Tennessee can do. I don't necessarily think it's just a two-horse race uh, coming coming out of the East. I don't necessarily think it's just Florida-Georgia. If anything, I actually think it might just be Georgia, and then there's a kind of a two- or three-horse race there for second place. Oh, wow. I really don't... Yeah, that's crazy, but I mean, I'm looking at the at Tennessee's schedule. It's a little tougher, I guess, because they've got Texas A&M and Auburn, uh, and, and obviously they've got Alabama, but I think probably what hurts them the most but i'm just not i mean i've seen some rankings with florida up in the top five and i don't i don't know what i'm missing there i get maybe just more teams from you know the big 10 and stuff but 
That's uh, that's going to be kind of the question for me is where does that that next tier after Georgia? How does that fall? Uh, so my hot take, and we'll get into it obviously, is I think this is the year that Dan Mullen and Florida win these. I think this is the year they get it done. I think there are tons of question marks elsewhere for uh, obviously Georgia and other teams that are vying for the title. I think this is the year that uh, that Florida gets it done. Um, so without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. We might as well start with the Gators. Uh, so they're my pick to win the East. I think the ability to um, – start the year on the road with a proven quarterback who has been in the system who knows his head coach he knows this he knows the offense I think that that's something that is uh extremely valuable in this 2020 season that's abbreviated it is uh it's you know a shortened 10 game season conference only it's going to be tough you haven't had spring practice you haven't had a real fall camp I think Kyle Trask being in sync with Dan Mullen is going to be huge. It's going to pay dividends, especially early on in the season. Until everybody gets their, uh, till everybody gets their bearings. I think there's a lot to like about the offense. Uh, Kyle Pitts is a really good tight end. I think you're going to see uh, Lorenzo Lingard, the Miami transfer, is going to make an impact at running back. You've got Trevon Grimes, Kadarius Tony at receiver that are legitimate NFL talents, and then um, a defense that finished second in the conference in fewest points allowed. They bring back five starters. They're not bringing back everybody, but uh, five starters from a from a unit that was elite last year. Um, You've got Marco Wilson, Kyer Elam at the cornerback position. Both are uh, legitimate All-SEC caliber players. And then I, I just – I don't know. Dan can be weird and can be quirky, but he's a, he's a really good coach and just X's and O's wise getting his teams prepared um, is when he really excels. And I think in a season where there is a little margin for error, I think that uh, he has a real opportunity – to win the East, and um, I think I think they get it done this year. So, okay, on Florida, I think the only problem I have is well, first of all, they avoid Alabama uh, out of the out of the West, and they avoid Auburn actually, which is you know a pretty good draw, I would think, for them. But I don't love the way they start the season uh, in terms of in terms of where they're going to be early on, and, and if things go south. For them, if they if they drop one of these first few games, and that Georgia game becomes must win, so they open at Ole Miss, they're home to South Carolina. I mean, I think that that's a, a tough game. I think that's a absolute must win there. And then they've got two tough games that I think are, are, are really the season kind of hinges on these two. They go to College Station, and then they host LSU. And I know that none of us are very big on LSU this year, but they're still a team with a lot of four and five stars, even even if they're in, in their backup ranks. Uh, and then they get Missouri, and then it's the bye, then it's Georgia. Past that, the, the end of their season is, is Arkansas, Vandy, Kentucky, and, and, and then finally Tennessee. There's a lot of wins, I think, in the last half of the schedule. But, it, you know, they they basically got to start 5-0 and if they want to have any shot. Uh, because at that point, you know, the, the Georgia game just becomes an absolute must win because even if, if you beat Georgia, you've still got Tennessee on the schedule. So I don't – that schedule has me concerned a little bit. I've got them at eight wins. Uh, if I was 
putting it. I would probably have a loss. Yeah, I would have a loss to Georgia uh, and then a loss either to Texas A&M or to Tennessee. I think they probably beat LSU. But I just think that I mean, going on the road, week three to College Station, Jimbo can't lose every big game, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I the only loss that's remotely close on there is Georgia. You're not losing to LSU at home. I don't but you've think got Tennessee on the road. I don't think Tennessee's worth a damn. And I and I still like Kellen Mond's still the quarterback at NM and he's just just fucking room temperature mac and cheese. He's nothing special. <laughs> it's I don't know. That this is like this is this is my like mountain I'm gonna die on this year with Florida. And if I'm wrong, so be it. It's all good. I I'll I'll eat it, but I don't know. I if if we're just straight previewing Florida right now, I have to go in and hand them their first loss of the year in September to the Ole Miss Rebels <laughs> at home. Lane Kiffin's coming yeah. out part. Exactly. Um, um, who who could know, say? I, who could say they could lose that game? Well, I think you know. Obviously, we have to preview, but Kiffin makes the best point of anybody, and that's you know Florida. I mean, realistically, could lose to Missouri if they have 40 players out or whatever. I don't know what the maximum allowed is, but, you know, you you don't really know. It's going to be interesting to see if certain teams, let's say Florida, let's say Ole Miss, have the same quarterback um, all 10 games, as in that quarterback never gets the coronavirus. That that would be interesting to me because – um, I think whoever does that, I think at that position more than any will really determine, like, I even think Alabama um, is going to need some continuity at quarterback throughout the entire year to be able to survive it. Yes, they could have their quarterback sit against, I don't know, Vanderbilt or, or somebody like that, but or Ole Miss, frankly. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that, you know, I think with Florida, you know, there's – they are not where Alabama is, so you have to you have to bet a half game worse if I'm predicting. So, so like if I'm going to Vegas, let's I don't know what the Florida over under win total is out of ten games. Is it seven and a half, eight and a half? Do y'all know? What is I, think, it, I think it's I think it's eight flat. I'll, I'll double check that though. Well, well, then I think that's that's a pretty fair guess. But you got to say okay. Let's just say, for the sake of the argument, they lose to Georgia. Okay, so they're down. So now they've got a – they can afford to lose one more and you push. Well, where's the other loss? I mean, they have they play at A&M and at Tennessee. I guess those are the most likely. They get LSU at home, and, and I'm just not sold there. Matter of fact – by the fourth week of the season, they're going to be just all up in arms because Joe Burrow's not there anymore, and they're going to realize that you know what they had last year is far different than this year. And I know I'm rambling. My point it, is, it's seven and a half. By the way, by the way, seven and a half. Well, seven and, and a half is about right. Seven, there's no juice on either side. Seven and a half would, for Florida. Yeah, no juice on either side, so oh they think it's God. it's perfect seven and a half. The I would bet half game worse. I, I I know Zach saying eight. I would I would bet a half game worse. I, I just think of that's not 
you you got to take COVID and I know and I know that works for both teams, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball. But you got to you got to take that consideration. So like, unless you're saying willing to say, well, the freshman class at Florida or the sophomore, or the backups or whoever that is, is really really good. They've got a lot of depth. Then I don't think we can you know guarantee them nine ten wins. Like I guess. I, I rambled that long to say there are two teams in the SEC that COVID's really not going to affect or they're not going to have a much effect on their win total. Alabama and Georgia. They're the well, only two that are deep enough. Vanderbilt. Yeah, or Vanderbilt. Well, yeah, on the other end. Now, but they're say, the only. Now, here's good. Just, just a caveat here, or just to play devil's advocate. Now, with uh, Jamie Newman gone, if COVID gets JT Daniels, Georgia is fucked. Oh yeah, well that that's fair too. That that's exact. But but I think they're good enough, except in the Florida game. I think Georgia is good enough to run over everybody. Like I, I just think they've got good enough players. I mean, they how many four or five stars they have on the team now? Sixty, seventy. I mean, mm-hmm. at some point you just got too many good players. It's a good point though. I, I think it's going to be interesting between Georgia and Florida. I, I just. I think the safe pick is Georgia, and the sexy pick is Florida. Yeah. So, all right. So, Nick, what are you saying? Seven and three. Um. No, I'm gonna say eight and two. I'm gonna say a loss to Georgia, and they'll lose one of Texas A&M or Tennessee. I cannot yeah, believe you're I throwing think, Tennessee I think, out there like that. This is going. I'm going seven to three. Oh, oh boy! I'm really surprised that the that the line is so is so low. I think to me, if I'm, I would say this. I would not in any way touch it. If you made me touch it, I would probably lean on the over. It just seems more likely that they go. It's a sucker bet. Yeah, it is. But I don't think. I mean, I think if you're looking at the the possible outcomes, ten and zero, nine and one, eight and two, all win it for you. And seven and three, six and four. And I don't think there's any way they go five and five. So at that point, I just think there's more scenarios that eight happens than seven happens. Um, But it's that's not a bet. I mean, there are some bets on here I would touch, uh, namely under one and a half for Arkansas is a little bet that I love, but I would not in any way touch this bet, seven and a half. Under one and a half. Oh, my God, that's crazy. What is Ole Miss's total? Three and a half? Three and a half, which I think is a, a great number. Oh, that's we'll, – yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, all right, so we, – we, We've talked a lot of Georgia, so let's just go into them. I, I'll keep it simple here. I uh, I think they go nine and one. I think they lose to Florida, and that's it. Um, Whoa! You think they beat Alabama? Oh, never mind. Forgot they were on there. Eight and two. Sheesh. My bad. My bad. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I forgot they have that crossover game this year. I was just sliding through the, the sheet here. Um, yeah, eight. Sorry, eight and two. Uh, I think with Jamie Newman uh, gone, I think there is a huge question mark at quarterback. JT Daniels is talented. Don't get me wrong, but um, he's coming off a major knee injury. Uh, you've got a new offense for him to learn, and I, I just think that uh, there, there's a question mark there. 
and I they're going to be so reliant on the defense. They return eight starters from a top five defense in college football. Um, they just Kirby just seems cursed at this point. They can't get over the hump. Now I know they were you know one play away from national title. Don't give me. I, I understand that, but they're still not getting it done. Um, now, now how's Todd Munkin gonna? How's Todd Munkin gonna play there? I know um, he likes to throw the ball downfield. JT Daniels can certainly do that. Can he do it at Georgia though? Um, you've got. Really, that's it. I mean, JT Daniels is the big question mark. I mean, I don't even – who would you put at quarterback if he's not the guy? I mean, Jamie Newman was, was not like a surefire gets you to 10-0, and 0, but he was a proven guy who has a ton of experience and was really successful at Wake Forest. Um, there's talent at receiver with George Pickens. He is a legitimate number one guy. And then – like I said, they're they're going to be fine running the football with James Cook and Zamir White. I, it's just going to be very reliant on the defense. Uh, it, it's going to be kind of one of those where are they going to be able to out-talent people on offense? Are they going to be able to score and help their defense? I, there's no question mark for me on the defensive side of the football, but I think Alabama and Florida are the losses for them on the schedule. So 8-2, and two, nothing to really – scoff at but with georgia as ben said with all of their five stars it's the clock's ticking for kirby it is it, when is enough enough in terms of not getting it done well so how good is this dewan mathis guy supposed to be and he is i don't think jt daniels has exactly won the uh the quarterback competition yet over him he was a, a four-star elite 11 guy he was recruited by oregon ohio state Penn State. I mean, some of the biggest names out there coming out of high school. I guess he's a he'll be a red shirt freshman this year. This is his second year in the program. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see him. He, he's a he's a, a, a pro style guy, but he's a, he's a big guy, six six. So I'm interested to see that at quarterback. Is there who, who's Georgia's best player? Do y'all know? I mean, I don't feel like there is one, and I kind of feel like. I, but also at the same time, I feel like that it's the same way across the entire SEC. I don't know who's the best player in the conference. Do you guys have any idea? I have no clue. Uh, last year it was Tua. It's probably. Well, it was Joe Burrow, obviously. At the Najee end of the Harris. I was say it's got to be Najee Harris. Um, I mean, probably uh, who I'd start with. Or Homer, Jerry, and Ely. Like, I, I mean, yeah, seriously. But that's that's who you start with, Najee Harris. And I don't know where you go after that. And I think I, I say that to say I don't think that Georgia has one either. I don't know that – like you, you could look in years past. You could look at Holyfield. You could look at last year we knew the LSU had really good wide receivers. We didn't know that they had a good quarterback. They ended up having a great quarterback. But we knew Alabama had a good quarterback going into the season. We knew that Georgia had a good quarterback. This year I look around at, at, the, at the entire conference and it starts with Georgia – and not who their best player is. I don't think they've got a guy on defense who you just know is going to get you know twelve tackles a game or get an interception every other game, something like that either. And I, to me, Georgia's issue with not having the best player on, on the field at any given time is kind of a microcosm of the SECs this year. And, and that, and I said it to say, I don't know how many games. I mean, they could very easily lose to Florida because I'm not in love with anyone, anything they've got. I think they beat Florida. 
and I think they lose to Alabama and they go nine and one. But I mean, I I have no idea. I I definitely think that Florida has as many playmakers and obviously they've got a good enough defense to stop Georgia, especially if they don't figure out the quarterback situation. I'll say, I'll say this. I have a, I have a best player in the conference answer for you. And it might be a little crazy to say, because he's so young. I say Derek Stingley at LSU. That's very fair. But I mean, he's, how many times are, are, are people going to throw his way this year? Uh, probably very little because he's the only player pretty much returning on that defense. Yeah. I was I was going to say maybe Bo Nix. And not, I'm not uh, saying, but like, just, I'm just thinking about returning starting quarterbacks, man. Like, there's not much. I mean, Trask, you, you mentioned it, Zach. Trask is as good a guess as anyone. I'd say Trask and Mac Jones are the two best returning guys. Yeah, Mac Jones. That's true. That's pretty much it. I mean, Jalen Waddle is he at Alabama? Yeah, that that's another good. That's another big name. I mean, Bo Nix is has potential, but I mean, he's still you know a true sophomore. Um, Jared Guarantano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Jerry and Ely has as good of a chance as any of these people we're talking about. Oh, there's no doubt. Hey, he's, and that's not me. He's, sa- I mean, he's up there for breakout player of the year. I would say from a lot of people. So there are no Herschel Walkers in the conference right now. That's for no, sure. There, yeah. There's no doubt. And, and after Najee Harris, it's a. I think there's there's a void of the second best back. But but back on Georgia, they. I mean, I guess their schedule is pretty tough for a West team. I mean, obviously they go to Bama. They also get Auburn. Um, but then you know they get Arkan. They go to Arkansas week one, and then MSU. So it's it's kind of a. Bag. I kind of like their. Yeah, yeah. I think I think nine and one or eight and two is kind of their thing. I think I would definitely take over seven and a half for them. To me, that feels like. Um, that feels like a one of the better bets you I see out of the East. All right. Moving on down Kentucky. Another team with a lot of question marks, especially at quarterback. Uh, a year ago when Lynn Bowden kind of took the SEC East by storm while John Rice Plumley was doing the same style of storming on the West side. He is now gone. Um, Terry Wilson is back. He missed almost all of 2019 with the torn ACL. Um, People say he's completely healthy. He's back to his old self. Uh, The former Oregon quarterback is going to... uh, certainly be the starter for Mark Stoops, um, who has quietly turned Kentucky into a decent contender. They're not going to win the East anytime soon, but they're they're not just a pushover easy win anymore. Um, I think that Kentucky is just going to fall victim to a COVID SEC-only season here in terms of wins. Um I have them going five and five with uh, a potential to go six and four. I have them losing one uh, kind of weird toss up game at the end of the season to the Gamecocks of South Carolina. 
um, just because the Gamecocks have always given Mark Stoops fits, and well, Muschamp is going to have a solid defense as he always does, and I think that they'll be ready for Terry Wilson in Kentucky by uh, December fifth. But um, I do like what they have on defense. Uh, Boogie Watson's really good off the edge, uh, and uh, Stoops has always had a team that's going to play hard, have a solid defense. And uh, they're just going to quietly uh, go five and five this year, which would Nick Ben chime in here. At five and five is what the equivalent of eight and four, seven and five in in a regular season. Is that pretty accurate? Do you agree with that? Well, I mean, five and five. You're you're looking at in a normal season, you'd have um, what four non-conference games. So yeah, I mean, it's a at least the equivalent of eight and four okay uh, because you know three of those are going to be against a lesser opponent right so and i don't think that that's crazy um i got them losing to auburn in the opener losing to georgia and then just a terrible skid at the end of the year at alabama at florida and i just think body blow after body blow there they uh they lose a weird one to south carolina because that's back-to-back road games against the two teams that are best in the in, in each division and then maybe South Carolina slips up and gets them there at the end. So five and five for me. Um, but Stoops has done a hell of a job there. Ben, yes. you go ahead because I'm I've got to, I'm going to disagree. But go ahead. Yeah, I, I am too. I think that Kentucky. I think they get killed at Auburn. Then I'll give them both Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Um, normally, I would pick Ole Miss to win, but. Let's just let's just give them that just because of what I'm I'm fixing to do to them. So they're two and one after the first three games. They're gonna get killed at Tennessee to go two and two. <laughs> then they're gonna get killed at home against Georgia to be two and three. And you talk about body blow after body blow. Now they've got to go to Missouri, who's probably gonna be really really hungry for a win. So let but let's just say, let's just say that they win at Missouri. So they're at three and three. Then they get Vandy at home and go four and three, and then they're going to lose out and go four and six. But that is assuming that they win at Missouri, which I don't think they will. So I think that the win total here is between three and seven and four and six. Mm-hmm. And and that's with me giving them both Ole Miss and Mississippi State wins. I mean, I, I feel like I'm having to start giving give them wins in order to get them there now. I agree with everything you said. I think Mark Stoops has done a great job, and I think they've got a good program. I just think they've mm-hmm. got a bad schedule. I mean, they have to mm-hmm. go yeah. to Alabama. That's fair. They have to. They have to play. They get Georgia at home, which, you know, that's even worse. I mean, really, if you're a team like Kentucky, you want to play all your good teams on the road and get all the yeah. losses out of the way, and then your winnable games at home. Unfortunately for Kentucky, they have to play at Missouri. They have to play at Florida. So. They have to play at Tennessee. Now, the Tennessee game would be much more winnable in Lexington. But because it's in Knoxville, I mean, we talk about all we talk all the time about certain programs that just own other ones. Florida owns Kentucky. Tennessee, low-key, historically owns Kentucky. So, like, I just don't – I don't – I'm not seeing it for them. It's as much of a, a schedule thing for me as any – as anything and you know Benny Snell's not playing running back I I think three and seven four and six best case is five and five I, but I, I can't get them to five wins 
So uh, I think that, Zach, your point on Terry Wilson being back, that could be a big deal in a conference without very good uh, quarterback play. Perhaps I'm underrating it. So Vegas has them at five. And I I would go under that number simply because I don't see six. So five Mm -hmm. wins means you push and you get your money back. I think that's that's a reasonable scenario. And then I think it's a good chance that it doesn't. So I, I just think if you if you're making that bet, you don't stand a, a large chance of losing it. You're either getting your money back, or you're winning. And just touching on 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 what Ben said, I look at their schedules. I, I went through and color coded, you know, what games I thought they'd win and lose, and then what games I thought were toss ups. The only game that I put in the win category in the green category for them was Vanderbilt, and that's the only game that you know right now I think they're definitely going to win. Mm-hmm. And in the red category, I've got Auburn, or excuse me, at Auburn, at Tennessee, Georgia, at Bama, and at Florida. That's a tough road schedule. And so I think you're looking at minimum four losses. Maybe that Tennessee game gets a little a little squirrely. And then past that, then you've got Ole Miss, MSU, at Missouri, and South Carolina, all as toss-ups. So to get to five wins, they've got to win them all. And I just think mm-hmm. that it, it's, it's asking a lot to say – Hey, you've got to win all your toss-up games. That's why I think they're probably a four-win team. Uh, my, my quick predictions, I had them at three. Uh, I would probably put it at three and a half or four. Um, I lean more towards four. But, yeah, that schedule is just brutal. I mean, it, it is. And and the, the back-to-back games against the Mississippi teams in week two and week three, Ole Miss at home and MSU at home, you talk about if you want to get to four wins, you've got to win them both. Because, you know, th- then you've got the murderers row of Tennessee and Georgia. And, and later in the year, you've got Alabama, Florida, South Carolina to end it. That's a lot of games that, are, that, you know, are tough. So I just think that that schedule, Ben, I mean, you, you said it. I mean, there that's a that's a brutal schedule coming out of the coming out of the, the, the West with, <sighs> with Alabama. Yeah. yeah, Alabama. And Alabama. Yeah, it's tough. It's not kind. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so uh, I think we're all kind of in agreement here somewhat with how we feel about Kentucky. It's a combination of a really bad schedule and just question mark at quarterback and, uh, you know, where are the playmakers going to be. And, and and to your point, Zach, they close the year so terribly. They have to play oh, at sucks. Alabama and at Florida back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Talk about and, body blow theory. I mean, woof. I mean – you know, you want to be South Carolina right there, even if you're going to Kentucky. I mean, you'd play Kentucky on the surface of the sun coming off of Alabama and Florida. Well, and and then like Nick said, before that, you've got October. So, I mean, you start the year with Auburn, which is going to suck. You're going to lose. You're going to take that one in the mouth. Then you've got Ole Miss State at Tennessee. With new Georgia. head coaches and excitement. Yeah. So you've got home games back-to-back against Ole Miss and State, but still going to be tough, not gimmies. Then you go at Tennessee, and then you got Georgia, and then you got to go to Missouri. Missouri's not going to be good, but it's still a road game in a COVID-19 2020 world where who knows if anybody's going to test positive, who knows if anybody's going to be sick, who knows if anybody's going to be injured because you're playing a conference-only schedule. It's going to be rough. So, like, just – shitty schedule for them we have to we also have to look at missouri and we'll get there in in just a minute but we have to look at them i'm a believer that certain programs and i think Ole miss is is one of those schools that when missouri hosts florida for example 
that is a huge game. But Missouri fans, like the program, does not expect to beat Florida, right, or Alabama. But when Missouri hosts Kentucky, it's you get a different shot. Because it's like, man, that's an SEC win we can get. They circle that one on the schedule. They might prepare. The coaches might not outwardly do this, but but behind closed doors, they might prepare a little bit more for Kentucky to get that SEC win. I mean, that just makes common sense. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think Kentucky, unfortunately, has to play at Missouri, and I think that's one Missouri's going to have circled because if we you want to talk about Kentucky having a bad schedule, Missouri's is horrific. Oh, yeah. Um, so we are going to get to the back half of the East. We're going to talk Missouri, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Vandy in the second half of the show. When we come back from the break, hear from our sponsors, and then we will break down the other four teams in the East. So hang tight, and we'll be back with the rest of our SEC East preview. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going, be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary, a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something the place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the rooftop bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. 
Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station Bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share a sip responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. All right, we are back here on Podcast Rebellion. We we have breaking down. We have broken down Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky. We are now going to jump on over to the Show Me State and talk Missouri. Uh, This is kind of a little bit of the same that we talked about with Kentucky here. Missouri opens up with just an absolute brutal slate. Alabama at Tennessee at LSU. All three L's for me. You get a break there. You beat Vandy. Then you've got at Florida, Kentucky. Then you have your bye. Then you have Georgia at South Carolina. Arkansas is a win. And then at Mississippi State. I feel like that one is a toss-up slash trap game if uh, if there can possibly be a home trap game for Mississippi State with a brand-new coach, end of the season. Who knows what teams are going to look like at the end of the road here in 2020. But uh, for Missouri, I have them going 3-7. and seven. Um, just, just same with Kentucky. Just a brutal, brutal schedule. Brand-new head coach and Eli Drinkwitz coming over from App State. Um who knows what they're going to look like at quarterback. Sean Robinson, the TCU transfer, is there now. Connor Basilek is there as well, competing for the job. Now, they do have Larry Roundtree the third, who is still there, who is like the Alex Tejada of Missouri. I feel like Larry Roundtree has been there for nine years. <laughs> um, Tyler Beatty is also a, uh, a pretty uh, serviceable running back there as well. Um, <laughs> this is crazy. Barry Odom's defense last year only allowed 19.4 points a game on defense. Um, mm. So they were good last year and uh, Drinkwitz kept Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator. Uh, so you've got Nick Bolton over there anchoring the defense at linebacker. Um, they have seven returning starters on defense. So can the offense do anything? I think the defense is going to be fine. Now I'm not saying they're going to hold anyone to, you know, 19.4 points. Um, Cause you got offenses, like Alabama with, you know, Najee Harris and, and Jalen Waddle and LSU with their receivers, if they could figure out what they're going to do at quarterback. But um, 
they they've got some continuity and some talent over there on defense, but ooh, the offense. They only averaged twenty five a game last year. Brand new quarterback, brand new um, OC with, I believe Drinkwitz calls the plays. So it, he's a Gus Malzahn disciple. So we'll see. I don't know. I just three and seven for me. I'm rambling at this point. We don't need to talk about this very long. I think it's three and seven. I think that's safe. All right, Nick, can I go? Yeah, take it away. So I think you. I think Missouri's got two guaranteed wins. They get Vanderbilt at home. That's a win. And they get Arkansas at home. That's a win. So so you look at the schedule like, okay, well, let's find one more win to get to three and seven. And I cannot find that win. I, I guess they can get Kentucky. At, let me take that back. They have Kentucky at home. They can get that one too. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff, which is kind of a home track game. But um, given that kickoff time, not that the crowd's really going to matter uh, this year. But like you said, they start off 0-3, Bama, Tennessee, LSU, quickly. They go to 1-4 and with Vanderbilt, lose to Florida 1-5. and And then they get Kentucky at home. If they do win that one, they, they go 3-7. and If they don't, they go 2-8. and I mean, they, they have to play Georgia at home. They have to go to Mississippi State. Both of those are losses. To South Carolina, that's a loss. Missouri gets... What's terrible? You talk about playing your good opponents at home. Missouri hosts Alabama and Georgia in the same year. Okay, but then they also get Vandy, Kentucky, and and uh, um, Arkansas. Talk about you know the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I just I'm not a believer in Missouri. I think you're spot on with three and seven, Zach. I'll, I'll tell that. But I do think that two and eight is a serious contender here. I, I don't think they get to four. I don't know what the over under is. If it's two and a half, that's a good line because if it's three and a half, I would hammer the under. It, so the line's two and a half. Um, I've got I've got it at three and a half. If I were if I were handicapping it, only because they've got two built in wins that a lot of teams in that in that division do not have. That's part of the reason that I'm high, I'm a little higher on Tennessee. Tennessee also has two built-in wins, and they're both road games at Arkansas and at Vanderbilt. And so yeah, at that point, now you've you, – Go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, well, no, who's their fourth win, though? How do you get to three and a half? Well, I, so here I, I've got it. I mean, it is a tough start. Alabama at Tennessee at LSU. you got a built-in win against Vanderbilt, then at Florida. That's one and four. I get that. And, but I've got two guaranteed wins, and then I've got them splitting two of – Kentucky at South Carolina and at MSU. So, so that's where the three and a half comes in. I do think it's probably asking a lot to, to say, Hey, you've got to win both at, at USC and at MSU. So it may be, I may skew closer just to three flat, but I think those are all toss ups in terms of right now. I think that Missouri could beat MSU on the road, especially if MSU mm-hmm. hasn't really figured out what their offense is going to be. But I mean, that's tough. I mean, you, you better win some games in the back half of the schedule because you're not getting any on the front half of the schedule. Once you get to Kentucky on Halloween, you're going to have four losses, and and to get to three wins, you still got George on the schedule. You, you to get, excuse me to get to four Dang. wins, so you're you're going to need to pretty much win out except for Georgia. Guys, we what do we always preach? Defense and run game, they both travel. Yeah, Missouri's got a defense that is bringing back seven starters. They've got two proven running backs. You take that on the road at Mississippi State, a place that 
is absolutely not, is is not going to have sixty thousand people with artificial noisemakers. It's going to be a toss up game. I'm telling you. At the end of the year, who knows what the health for each team is going to look like? So it's just it, it's going to be wild. Yeah, and I, I just I, and I just go back to if a team from the SEC East has Arkansas on the schedule because you've already got Vanderbilt. If you've got Arkansas on the schedule, man, that is a blessing. You take that, and then you, you try and you try and get somewhere else with it. And looking at Missouri's schedule, they've got Kentucky just before bye, and then they've got South Carolina just off of Georgia. So it's almost like they can play Kentucky. You've got a bye, and then you've got a Georgia game that who cares? And then you've got three winnable games to finish your season at USC, Arkansas, and at MSU. So you, you kind of just you, you say screw the Georgia game, we lost it, and you worry about the rest of them. I would probably go, man. I wouldn't touch two and a half if I had to Mm. I would probably go over because if the line's two and a half all I have to do is win one other game that's not Arkansas and Vanderbilt Mm. all right um so we all pretty much agree here on uh Missouri Tigers all right moving on um two of these next three we're probably going to run through pretty quickly South Carolina Will Muschamp um Probably with a regular uh, non-COVID season, I think the uh, the uh, the heated seats would be cranked all the way up for Will Muschamp, but I don't think that's the case here in a 10-game conference-only COVID world. For uh, Coach Boom, I'm leaning 3-7 and seven here. I think uh, you've got a really tough start home against Tennessee at Florida, and then you've got Vandy sandwiched in there, and then you've got Auburn, and then at LSU. That's all before the bye week. So I think you're going one and four there, easily. Um, after that, you've got A&M. Then you go to Ole Miss. Then you go back home to Missouri, back home for Georgia, and then at Kentucky to close the season. And that second half of the season, guys, I only have them winning Missouri and Kentucky. I think you lose on the road to an Ole Miss team that by that time has probably found themselves defensively. They know what they are on offense. They have an identity on both sides of the football. I think that that's a, I wouldn't say easy win for Ole Miss, um, but I say that's a very gettable win uh, with a team like South Carolina that has a new offensive coordinator with Mike Bobo. You've got Ryan Helinski, who is back. Um, he had he's kind of like Bo Nix. He showed some things last year, but he made a lot of freshman mistakes. Um, there is, like I said, there's always talent on a Will Muschamp defense. Uh, J.C. Horn, Israel uh, Mukiamu uh, are at the uh, corner position. They're very talented. And then you've got Zach Pickens, Aaron Sterling, and then Jordan Birch, who uh, was the top 10 prospect that signed with South Carolina. They're probably all going to play up front. Um, how are they going to be able to hold up with this schedule with a just conference game after conference game after conference game? Um, I just, I don't know. I think, I think Muschamp and them are going to have a tough time uh, reeling off wins in 2020. I just think the, the crossover games are going to kill them. A&M, LSU, and then you play at Kentucky. And then uh, it's just, it's going to be tough. It's going to be brutal. I think that uh, Muschamp is fine there. I don't think that this is something, like I said, no hot seat this season. Um, but they've recruited really well, and uh, it's just a matter of uh, finding themselves on offense. You know, they 
Muschamp has been, it's almost like a running joke where he can't hire anybody worth a shit as an, as an OC. So we'll see what Mike Bobo does, but uh, I'm saying three and seven here. So I just want to say, you know, earlier I I said the teams that you definitely were going to win, you definitely were to lose. I've only got one definite win for, for South Carolina. And I think that's Mm. kind of the crux of everything. And you look at their, you look at their toss up games I've got LSU listed as a toss-up, but let's just say it's a loss because I, I, I just don't trust LSU. But but let's say it's a toss-up. It's at LSU. Toss-up at Ole Miss. Toss-up at Kentucky. And then a toss-up home to Missouri. Mm-hmm. That's bad news. It, for getting to four or five wins or even three or four wins when you've got one guaranteed win, you've got four toss-ups, three of which are on the road. So now you know if you win the, if you win the, the Missouri game, now you've got to go on the road to Baton Rouge or to Oxford or to Lexington at the end of the year, that's a lot of, I mean, that's, that's a tough ask. I think pretty much all of their home games are, are losses. I mean, you're looking at Tennessee, Auburn, Texas, A&M, Missouri, Georgia, you know, count the wins from those, from those five. I don't see a ton of them. So, so that's a tough schedule right there. A really tough break from a home way. Uh, so I've got their wins at three, uh, Vegas has it at three and a half. I would definitely skew under though. Yeah, so I'm actually the homer here. Uh, I, Whoa. I think South Carolina gets to four if South Carolina Ooh. beats Tennessee week one. Uh, okay, could, could okay, happen. that's fair. Could happen. I mean, you, you know, at I home. think they, they're going to win at Vanderbilt. I, I, I'm assuming you count that as their guaranteed win at Vandy. Yeah, yeah. They're going to win at Vanderbilt, and then they're going to, I think, I say this like, so I, I think they beat Missouri at home, so that's two wins. I think they're going to split Kentucky. They're going to get one win out of at Kentucky, A&M at home, mm-hmm. and uh, for, uh, Auburn at home, excuse me. So they're going to get one what? win there, and they're going to get to three. And then, so you, you got to find one more win, and guys – I hate to say this, we haven't beat South Carolina since Eli Manning. Mm. Uh, yeah, Ethan Flat. With, with we Bill, beat him in overtime yeah. with Bill Flowers in two thousand four in South Carolina. Is that the last Bill Flowers in the corner? Yeah, yep. and I'm not saying I'm not picking South Carolina to beat Ole Miss, but like we never play them well ever. Yeah, we don't know couple, what LSU is. I, a couple I think, years ago, had a real shot to win that game. I think three and a half is, is the correct line here. I, I'm not saying you're wrong in skewing under, Nick, because obviously some are going skew under and, and over. But I, you know, I, I don't hate. I really, really would be solid on four if they got LSU at home, but they don't, and so I think that's our. I think that's keeping me from the, just guaranteeing for, but that's but I, Ben. I'll say bringing up the Tennessee game week one is is an interesting thing to note here because week one where everybody is you know you know quote unquote healthy and it's two teams who Helensky and Guarantano, the, yeah they're they're experienced but they're not just gangbusters. It's not like there's a real legitimate quarterback you know advantage either way in my opinion. So all right. So let's do it like this. They get both Tennessee and Texas A&M at home. Let's say they, they win one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They win at Vanderbilt. That's two. 
they get Missouri at home, win that one, that's three. Then all they've got to do is either win at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, or at LSU. None of which team we really know anything about. I mean, Ole Miss is, we don't know anything about them defensively other than out of practice reports, the linebackers are good, and allegedly Sam Williams is back. Other than that, you know, we we don't really know. I mean, I think the two of the best players on the defense are ineligible right now in Otis Reese, and which I do think Dean Leonard's going to eventually be eligible, but Lane Kiffin has spoken highly of both of those guys who would start in the secondary. But, yeah, I digress. Go ahead. I, I think I, if they did an early line on that game, I don't think it would be more than three points either way. So, you know, it, three and a half is the perfect number on that. I, I wouldn't touch it. All this is predicated on them beating a Tennessee team that they lost to by – uh, by three touchdowns last year, though. Sure. I just well, don't – to open the season. And now it is well, in South Carolina. I, I said – I went back and, and added in the provision that they would win either Tennessee or A&M. But that's to get on the four. I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm not saying that I'm – you know, it's a guaranteed slam dunk. I just – it's not impossible either. Well, so this leads me, and we can, we can, we can talk about Tennessee next. Because, Zach, I'm kind of looking over your numbers here. I kind of cheated. This leads me to my next point. You guys are are not high on Tennessee. Perhaps I'm too high. But, but again, I look at what they, they – the wins baked into their schedule. They've got two wins baked into their schedule with Arkansas and Vanderbilt. And I only count three losses baked into Tennessee's schedule, uh, Georgia, Alabama, and at Auburn. But I've got some more wins. I've got Missouri baked in. I've got Kentucky baked in. And I actually baked in – at South Carolina is a win, probably a little risque. But I just think that that's a good matchup for Tennessee to start the year. They know what they've got a little bit. And I've got Tennessee and at six-plus wins. Oh, God. No, Nick. At six-plus wins. No, no. Three losses no. and two, two oh losses. Look at this. Ladies got, and gentlemen, this is the point got, where Nick Carr rears his. Oh, God. They've got Texas A&M at home and cue, Florida at home. Cue the arrested development. Florida. I've made a huge mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend from yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they win one of Tennessee at home and Florida at home. I think they win one of those two. You're talking about South Carolina or Tennessee? I think, I think Tennessee – Beats either the Aggies at home or they beat the Gators at home. All right. So Tennessee is helped out because they get Kentucky at home, and I count that as a win. I just, it's hard for me to predict Kentucky to ever beat Tennessee on the road. And they get Arkansas and Vanderbilt both on the road. So so you've got two two of your five road games are against really bad weak teams. And they get Missouri and Kentucky at home. So they really got four wins built in. Mm-hmm. Facts. I Thank you. I think that's it, though. Yeah, where do you go number five? They play at Georgia. That's a loss. So let's just count that we've got four wins right now, counting Kentucky, Missouri. So they go to Georgia. Bama and Auburn are losses. So now we're at four and three. I don't think they beat Kentucky. At home, though. You know, I I, – It's hard for me to to pick that. That's a toss-up at best for Kentucky. They were playing well at the end of the year last season. Well, they beat Kentucky. A, well, they beat Indiana in the, the bowl year. game. This is week four. That's that's true. 
I just, true. I don't know. For me, I mean, this is a team that lost to Georgia State and lost to BYU last year and should have lost to Indiana in the bowl game. Indiana just shit down their That's leg. Uh, Jared Guarantano is back. It's To me, it's just like Kelamon. Like, okay, this, this mediocre guy is back at quarterback. Cool. Um, I mean, it's – they've got talent on defense. Henry Toto is, is probably going to be all SEC. Uh, not – I mean, not just for the name. He he can play really well, too. But, um, I mean, it's a defense that gave up almost 30 points a game uh, in 2018. <laughs> for them to get to five wins, they're either going to have to win out South, out South Carolina or A&M at home. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's their fifth win. They Right. They only have five starters returning on defense. I, I just – I don't know. They Their two best receivers are gone. Um, I I just don't see it. Like it, they've got talent sprayed all over the place. But look, the the head coach. I mean, lest we forget, the head coach is Jeremy Pruitt. I just don't believe in him. It's it's just it's going to be tough because yeah. you've you've got definite losses. Um, for me, definite losses against Georgia, Bama, A and M, Auburn, Florida. That's five right there. Okay, yes. If you if you take away their games last year against top 10 teams, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia, in which case they lost uh, 107 to, to 30 uh, in those three games. If you take those games away, and, and obviously— <laughs> Only okay. 11 touchdown difference <laughs> there. My, my point is they're they're not good against teams who are clearly superior to them and which and which i, I ben, I if you take in. if you take all my shitty wedge shots and my wayward <laughs> drives i'm a two handicap all we need you to do we're, we're scrambling out here all we need you to do is give us a couple good shots every other couple <laughs> home. so that, i do uh, think I, I think this is a very low floor also low or high floor also low ceiling right season for Tennessee. I, I think they're they're pretty much guaranteed four wins and then but I think it's yeah they're gonna be working but, to get to six. But like you said, Ben, Nick, we have a potential to go from scrambling to alternate shot here where they could lose the opener to South Carolina. They could lose to Missouri. They could just go back to back and then you're starting 0 and three after you Let me lose tell to you Georgia. something. If they go 0 and two they're staring two and eight into the. I mean, that's in, fair. Into two and eight the, eyeballs. Yeah, because the only wins are Arkansas and Vandy. But but later in the year, I look at they've got a bye week coming off of Bama, which I'm can't not worried lose, about. They'll be Arkansas. They can't lose that. They got at Arkansas. Then they've got uh, so basically they've got two weeks to prepare for Texas A&M. They can essentially take the next two weeks off at Auburn and at Vanderbilt and go ahead and be preparing for Florida. Especially, I mean, to, to two of your toss-up games, A and M and Florida, the games that precede those two are at Arkansas and at Vanderbilt. Yeah, they're road games, and so you got to be concerned. Well, not really with Vanderbilt, but you got to be concerned a little bit about travel, I suppose, to Fayetteville. It's a it's a long journey in, in terms of in, in a conference game, but you've you've got two weeks to prepare for two of your bigger games. I just they beat the teams last year they should have beaten MSU, Kentucky. Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Missouri, at least in the SEC. I don't want to talk about Georgia State. I, I just – I see some wins. I, I don't – I think they're going to be a little bit better. They're just going to out-talent teams like Missouri and Kentucky. 
Uh, I just uh, so just the, the over under is five and a over under is five and a half. Are y'all both going under? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. I wouldn't touch it, man. I wouldn't touch it because I could easily see. Uh, and looking at other other lines like Georgia, I feel pretty decent. It's going to be over seven and a half. But this one, I could easily see Tennessee at five and five, just as well as I could see them at six and six, six and four. Excuse me. All right, rounding out the SEC East preview, guys. We're gonna just. I hope y'all got. Another, I hope y'all got another beer or another another coffee going because we're gonna have to dive in deep here. The Vanderbilt Commodores, uh, <laughs> folks. Zero and ten. Um, yeah, it's there. They have two chances at wins. Two. <laughs> that's just. That's just. Man, that's that's just being nice. That's all shucks. Man. Yeah, that's it is. They they and the Real, this is going to upset the listeners. Is South Carolina and Ole Miss are their two chances at uh, okay. wins? Fair. Don't think I they mean, can get them, but fair. No, but those are the only. Um, I mean, it, go ahead. <laughs> well, I I do want to ask this before I forget because I saw this number and I was like, oh my god, uh, how long has Derek Mason been in Nashville? Do you know? He, um, yes, I do. Seven, I do. Seven years? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. I, yeah, this is his All seventh right. season. Oh, shit. Fuck me then. I just remember <laughs> that because of the Jeff Scott game, and I remember <laughs> James Franklin running up and down the sideline with his play sheet, like, trailing him. Yeah, it's – yeah, no, seven 13. seasons. I mean, time flies, man. Uh. Just I, I don't know. I I used to like Derek Mason, and then all the issues he's had with the off the field legal troubles, where he seems to not be doing the right thing, has just really turned me off. He, I think he missed his opportunity like three or four years ago to get out as a very respected yeah. name as a defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know. I think he was wanting to get back to Stanford, and it just never really the timing never really worked out. Uh, they do have a new offensive coordinator in Todd Fitch. Uh, but, man, Keyshawn Vaughn's gone. Jared Pinkney's gone. Kalijah Lipscomb is gone. I don't know who they are going to get the football to on offense. Um, who's the quarterback? Who can say? Ken Seals, the true freshman, is getting a lot of buzz around town. But you've got Jeremy Musa, who's competing there as well. <sighs> Neither one of them have a snap. They don't have any SEC experience. I they do, <laughs> they do have eleven starters back on defense uh, off a unit that allowed thirty one point eight points a game in twenty nineteen. So there is your is returning shitty experience actually good experience meme. Um, God, it's just look, it's it's a tough scene. They probably should just cancel the football program and just throw all their money at baseball to where they're just unstoppable there if they already uh, aren't. Uh, but all jokes aside, just absolute barn burner in the worst way possible for Vandy 0-10. Yeah. It, look at their schedule. If you told me they picked off one of the five teams in the middle, I suppose I could see it. That they, they open with at Texas A&M, LSU, and then they close the season with Florida, Tennessee, and at Georgia. And, I mean, just talk about the easiest 0-5 ever. I suppose they could pick off one of South Carolina, Missouri, the Mississippi schools, and Kentucky. 
I don't see there's any way that they could pick off two of the, two of those five. And, and the over unders one, I would go with the under just because I think it's zero and ten or one and nine. Best case scenario, a two and eight season for them would be you know extend Eric Mason type deal. I, but it, it, in all in all seriousness, I think they're zero and ten. I don't necessarily know that they're going to get rid of Mason this year because of, of everything going on. But I think he's got to be on the hot seat in 2021. And at this point, you're just kicking the can down the road. Mm-hmm. They have two chances to win. South Carolina at home, Ole Miss at home. That's it. Yeah. Like, I would say LSU, but LSU is like one of those schools that just kind of dominates Vanderbilt. <laughs> like, they would, they will, like, whip uh, them up and down the field no matter who's playing quarterback. I, to me, I mean, and they have to play at Mississippi State loss. Like, I guess if Vanderbilt had also had Kentucky at home or Arkansas at home, then, you know, they might have a chance at, at two wins. But they've got a ch- – or, I'm sorry, a chance at one win and then – or one have an over-under of one and a half. Here, I if they slip up and beat South Carolina, they're not going to win another game. If they slip up and beat Ole Miss, they're not going to win another game. I mean, you're right. Very best-case scenario is one win. And and let's think about Vandy the last few years. You know, how many conference games are they average conference wins are they average in a year? It can't be very high. Huh. One and a half or less. I mean, thanks to Ole Miss. Thanks to Matt Luke. That's what yeah. Exactly. Now I, I will tell you all this. I would be worried about Vanderbilt if Matt Luke was still the head coach. Oh, I absolutely would. Yeah. I mean I Outside of that weird Shea Patterson game a couple years ago when Ole Miss just blasted them, uh, yep. it was it was always just a nervous fucking wreck watching that game. Um, yeah. All right, so that's the SEC East. So I have Florida winning it, and I think you two both have Georgia winning it. Yeah, I'm going out on a limb there. Right, really. Right. Yeah. Ha- I'm okay. Yeah, and I've got Florida's a good pick. Hey, one or the other, you know. I've now, got Tennessee finishing within one game of Florida. Oh God! Would you out of stop? 10. Stop. If, that, if that's eight and two, seven and three, or if that's uh, seven and three, six and four. Just don't worry. If Boise State was in the SEC, he'd pick them to win the East. Look, Nick, I was in <laughs> I was in Knoxville on Labor Day weekend, and there was zero buzz about the balls. Give it time. Give it time. All right. Uh, we are going to uh, – we'll be back next week with our SEC West preview. We'll give our uh, our picks for all seven higher learning institutions there. Uh, we will also be back later this week, uh, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, for the Legal Gambling Council. We will give our picks for week two. Uh, I think we, we had a decent week overall uh, for week one. Uh, I, think, I think we're uh, – I don't know if we're – we're in the black or in the red there, but we'll uh, we'll we'll still pick games for you, and uh, we'll also have a red cup refill for you coming this week. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a special one. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a special edition, a bonus episode, if you will. Um, but that's gonna do it for the SEC East preview and for this episode of Podcast Rebellion. Thank y'all for listening. Uh, we appreciate y'all hanging in with us throughout the summer when uh, we did not think we would have a football season. But we do, so uh, everyone should just rejoice and, uh, you know, enjoy the season. Who cares if your team goes 0-10, if your team goes 3-7, and just thank God we have college football. Gentlemen, you guys, uh, you got anything else? 
Nope, just uh, GBO. Um, <laughs> Calhoun's on the river, to, baby. Uh, bold prediction for uh, the Ole Miss Rebels. I'll, I'll start doing this at the end of every show. Mm-hmm. I predict that Ole Miss scores over 30 against Florida. Mm. Whoa. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lot of points. Hey, if anybody can do it, it's Mr. Fresher. Right. That's it. All Behind right. all that corral. Yeah, hey. The California kid, baby. Um, like I said, back this week, a couple more episodes, uh, Refill and Podcast Rebellion. Until next time, for Ben, for Nick, I'm Zach. It's been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe out there. We out.